and you more after this. Leslie Marshall, when the truth matters. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. back. Max Bergman is in the house, co-founder and director of the Moscow Project. They're an initiative of the Center for American Progress Action Fund, which is dedicated to analyzing the facts behind Trump's collusion with Russia and communicating the findings to the public. Max is also host of the podcast, The Asset, which reveals Trump's extensive history uh, with Russia. Uh, thank you for joining us, Max. My nephew's name, so I like you already. Good afternoon uh, and welcome. He said, hasn't answered the phone yet. Having a little trouble connecting, Leslie. We're working on it. Oh, okay. No worries. Uh, well, I'll just tell you a little bit more um, about uh, what uh, this report finds. Um, the Senate Intelligence Committee concluded that election systems, and this was yesterday, in all 50 states were targeted by Russia in 2016. And that's an effort more far-reaching than previously acknowledged and one largely undetected by the states and federal officials at the time. Now, while the bipartisan report's warning that the United States remains vulnerable in the next election is clear, well, its findings were so heavily redacted, and that was at the insistence of American intelligence agencies, that even some key recommendations for 2020 were blacked out. And we're going to be talking about this with our guest, Max, in just a few minutes. Uh, The report was the first volume of several to be released from the committee's investigation into Russia's 2016 election interference. It came 24 hours after the former special counsel, Robert S. Mueller III, warned that Russia was moving again to interfere, quote, as we sit here, he was right. While details of many of the hackings directed by Russian intelligence, particularly in two states, Illinois and Arizona, at least those are well known, the committee described an unprecedented level of activity against state election infrastructure and tended largely to search for vulnerabilities in the security of the election system. And the report concluded that while there was no evidence that any votes were changed in actual voting machines, Russian cyber actors were in a position to delete or change voter data in the Illinois voter database. The committee found no evidence that they did so. In his testimony to two House committees on Wednesday, Mr. Mueller had sought to highlight the continued threat that Russia or other adversaries would seek to interfere in the 2020 elections. Uh, let's go to our guest. He's not ready. Steve, got to tell me that. Otherwise, I'm just babbling on, taking time away from the We're guest. Max, Max Bergman's with us, co-founder and director of the Moscow Project. As I said, initiative of the Center for American Progress Action Fund. And they're dedicated to analyzing the facts behind Trump's collusion with Russia there is collusion and communicating the findings to the public. Max is also host of the podcast, The Asset. It reveals Trump's extensive history with Russia. More than a pleasure to have him with us, Max. My nephew's name is Max. I said earlier you weren't on the line. I'll say it for your benefit now. So I like you already. Good afternoon. It's, it's a great name. It is. It is. It's like I you always just like Max. Max the guy, Max the dog. You know, I mean, <laughs> seriously. No, I do. Max, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. Um, I was just sharing with our listeners about the Intelligence Committee's conclusion uh, this week that uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee, that the election systems in all 50 states were targeted by Russia back in 2016. Um, does this prove, one, because it's all 50 states, that this effort was far you know, more far-reaching than previously uh, uh, acknowledged? And and also, can we speak to the lack of detection by not just states, but federal officials at that time when this was going on? 
Yeah, I mean, this was an absolutely huge breach. It was a huge attack. And the thing that federal officials, the Department of Homeland Security at the time, uh, they interpreted this as Russia just probing, that Russia was just trying to sort of figure out our election system. But we now know from the Mueller report and from the last few years that Russia wasn't simply probing uh, to – they weren't just simply trying to figure us out and figure, figure, it out, figure us out how to interfere in future elections. They were trying to uh, interfere in that election, in the 2016 election. And DHS's sort of theory of the case is that was at the time was that U.S. elections were impossible to hack because we're so. Okay, Max, 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 hold that thought. I apologize because we got you on late. We got to take a break. That was our smallest segment. Don't worry, you got plenty of time to talk on the other side of this break. We'll be back with our guest, Max Bergman, after this. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. We are back with co-founder and director of the Moscow Project, Max Bergman. He is at, it's an initiative of CAP, Center for American Progress Action Fund, dedicated to analyzing the facts behind Trump's collusion with Russia. We were talking with him. Sorry, Max, I had to interrupt you there to get to our tight uh, break. Uh, others are floating a little more uh, flexibility. We are no talking worries. about the Senate talking about the Senate Intel Committee's conclusion that the election systems in all 50 states were targeted by Russia back in 2016, uh, far more reaching an effort than previously acknowledged, and uh, one largely undetected by states and federal officials at the time. You were speaking. Please continue. So when we look back at the 2016 election, we know that Russia was trying to interfere in that election. This wasn't simply a future effort. And what was... You know, DHS officials at the time thought our elections were sort of, that U.S. elections were sort of unhackable because in order to really shift the outcome, their theory was that you would have to sort of hack everywhere because it was so decentralized because of how, you know, we're broken down by states, by counties. But we know that that's not true, that actually, you know, because our voting populations are increasingly segmented in rural and urban areas, that the way you could hack an election or impact an election is by hacking into, uh, you know, the election software, causing a few polling uh, po- uh, voting machines to go down, causing the lines to lengthen. Uh, and you could do that. You could target certain precincts. Um, and there was a lot of reporting around North Carolina, particularly in Durham, North Carolina, uh, where there was just chaos at the polls. No one really knew why. Voting machines were going down. Uh, and DHS never really adequately responded to this. And so we still, I think, have a very limited understanding of what happened. And I have to say, this happened also under the Obama administration's watch. Uh, and President Obama, when he gave a press conference in December of 2016, tried to reassure the country. He said, no, we we told the Russians, and the Rus- and what we saw was that the Russians held off. But then four months later, or five months later in May 2017, there was that this sort of breaking report from The Intercept, where this woman reality winner, 
who worked at the National Security Agency, actually leaked a document, and she ended up getting arrested and is, I believe, still in jail uh, for leaking that document. And what that showed was that the Russians had, had basically spoofed an election event, a vendor's email account, sent Trojan horse malware Word documents to a bunch of local election officials and said, hey, before the election, please install this uh, software to get your machines up to date. And some of them did it. And so one of the big questions is, you know, what role did the Russians actually play in 2016? Uh, and so this report from the Senate Intelligence Committee, I think is really helpful in, in providing a wake-up call to local election officials, to state election officials all over the country, that this wasn't simply, you know, one county's problem in North Carolina. This is a national problem, and it makes Mitch McConnell's uh, Block efforts to block uh, and obstruct uh, bipartisan legislation from going forward that would effectively modernize our election system. And one of the things that you do to modernize and protect our uh, voting system is by having paper. It's a very simple thing. If by having paper, you've guaranteed, you've sort of given yourself a degree of protection, you can go back and audit the vote. Uh, it, it's not just, it prevents it from being, being rigged and increases confidence. And these bills would provide money to the states to uh, upgrade their systems, upgrade their cybersecurity, and also invest in, in having paper ballots. And it frankly is unconscionable that you know, after knowing what happened in 2016, this isn't up for debate. It is clear from our intelligence agencies, from the Mueller report, uh, and from Mitch McConnell's own Senate Intelligence Committee, run by uh, uh, Senator Burr, that this happened. And yet we have seen no action from Congress because of him. I want to talk about what uh, it was um, particularly uh, clairvoyant, if you will, uh, when Robert Mueller um, talked about and warned that Russia was moving again to interfere, quote, as we sit here. And we know that truly was happening as we sat there. And and I know that details of many of the hackings directed by Russian intelligence were found particularly, that they're all in all 50 states, but found particularly in Illinois and Arizona. Any reason for those two states? Because Illinois is more of a Democratic state. Arizona is more of a Republican state, yet has some areas of patches of purple within. So I, you know, I think it's, we can only sort of speculate. I think there you know, one theory is that they found they just were able to find a way in into uh, an easier access in maybe some of these states. Uh, another theory is that they were looking for certain large population centers, Chicago, um, and maybe uh, places with uh, a large population of Hispanic immigrants, you know, or my, uh, uh, Hispanic populations. One of the things that was what we know is that the Russians were pushing the message prior to Election Day uh, in 2016 that the system was rigged. And this was also something that Donald Trump was pushing. And what do you do if you want to sort of demonstrate that the system is rigged? Well, if you can point to some voting improprieties or some things that look weird, then that create, could create a whole sort of conspiracy theory narrative that, that you know, that, that sort of backs up uh, the Trump administration claims that you had all these, my, all, all these illegal immigrants voting or all these people, uh, all this voter fraud. And that was one of the major themes of sort of the first year of the Trump administration, that there was all this voter fraud. He would have won the national popular vote if it weren't for all this voter fraud that didn't exist. Um, and I think one of the major fears when we look forward to 2020 
is how vulnerable our election systems are and the desire by Donald Trump and by Russia to cause severe doubt about the integrity of our election process. And it's What's clear, it's very, it could be very easy for the Russians to, uh, to cause chaos. And we've seen this because, not just because I'm speculating on the Russians' capabilities, but because, you know, at, at cyber security conference after cyber security conference, they, they bring election security uh, voting machines. And, and it can, these machines can be hacked within minutes. And people have testified in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee, a professor from the University of Michigan, Alex Halderman, for instance, has noted that he's able to hack uh, election systems, and he's, he does it to sort of show where their vulnerabilities are. So we have this, we know about this vulnerability. It exists. We know Russia, with its military intelligence units, can do this. And, and so it's sort of unconscionable that we're not taking the action to protect our systems. So I think when we look into 2020, I think we could see Russia trying to cause either through uh, actually taking action to uh, cause chaos at the polls, or simply by creating the the sense that maybe there's some improprieties, and you then spawn this whole conspiracy theory, or you know, level of conspiracy theories on either side that the vote was rigged and that's illegitimate, and that we have an illegitimate president. And this is how you degrade American democracy, and that's one of Russia's ultimate goals. Uh, also, um, I. I when when we look at it's it's not just Russia and I know you deal with Russia but people are talking now about uh, China and more specifically North Korea and Iran and the reason I bring that into play is Iran would benefit if Trump were weren't president or so they would think just as Russia would benefit they thought from Trump uh, being president so if we have people out there you know i mean russians obviously wanted to hurt hillary in 2016 and wanted to help donald trump win and they did what happens when we now have that fight coming both for and against uh the candidate well well this is why it's the lack of action uh relative to foreign interference and not simply election security but broad foreign interference more broadly is such a disaster is it's a bit like how money in politics after citizen citizens united is now just a thing um in that once you sort of open the door to foreign interference you know our elections are 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 so impactful for the entire world every single foreign country is looking at our elections. They're basing their foreign policy decision-making on how they think the 2020 election is going, is going to go. And they have some, some countries have a real interest in it going in certain direction. Saudi Arabia, for instance, I think is terrified of the prospect of a Democratic nominee, a Democratic administration, taking a hard, firm line against them. And so they have all the incentive in the world to try to interfere in our election to help elect Donald Trump. And other countries may have all the incentives in the world to try to have a Democratic uh, nominee win. And so what we, you know, we're looking, we're, 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 we're sort of facing a really dystopian future where foreign countries are essentially intervening in our, could, you know, could be intervening in our politics in a way that, like, corporations and super PACs are. But when, they, when foreign countries do it, they do it with the power of a nation state. When Russia did it, they did it with the power of one of the most powerful intelligence services in the world. When Donald Trump was benefiting from Russian military intelligence hacking the Democratic Party, he was essentially benefiting from the 
strongest, most capable opposition research firm in the history of democratic politics, Russian military intelligence. And so it, I think, is ex- this is an extremely scary future that we have sort of opened the door to. Um, and frankly, I think it's something that, that um, the media, uh, that we all need to be incredibly vigilant for as we look, uh, look forward to 2020 in trying to prevent foreign interference and being on the lookout for foreign interference into our politics. Uh, so many questions, and you're just um, so thorough. When the Senate Intelligence Committee's findings uh, came out, they were bipartisan, right? But then again, we have Republicans, uh, as, you know, especially Mitch McConnell, who we talk about a little bit later, Republican from Kentucky and majority leader. Uh, the the Republicans in the Senate have moved again to to block consideration of election security legislation that the Democrats have put forth. Why? Because we know. Um, from this report's findings, that there are more and more um, countries throughout the world developing capability to replicate what the Russians have done and interfere with our elections. It could hurt them, too. Heck, it could hurt McConnell's race. So it, it's, it, it's a great question. And, I, you know, the, it, it's it's really hard for me to to put myself uh, in the shoes of Mitch McConnell and to think through, you know, his decision making here. The only thing I can think of is that their McConnell's view is that passing election security in the wake of this, uh, in the wake of the Mueller report, uh, would confirm kind of would would seem to confirm in the public's mind that that Trump did something wrong, even though it's sort of unrelated to that. Um, in that. My guess is that the White House also is objecting to this sort of legislation. Uh, and so we have McConnell sort of standing as this, this obstacle to it. And the, only, the other reason is I think it's quite possible, Mitch McConnell is a very cynical politician, that he thinks that the Republican Party benefits from Russian interference and, uh, and is not as, is, and is frankly taking an un-American position and not opposing it. Um, it's it's the only real justification I can think of. All of the claims that this sort of violates states' rights or is uh, unnecessary or is a liberal bill are compl- are you know completely bogus, given the bipartisan nature of the legislation. You know, Senator Langford from Oklahoma is not some progressive hippie. He's a he's a you know he's a from a, a deep red state. He's a, he's a Republican. And, you know, Senator Burr, this is one area where the Senate Intelligence Committee uh, has done, uh, he, they did a you know, really important hearing on this back in the summer of 2017. This is something they focused on. Um, and so it's something his members are committed to. So for McConnell to block it is simply unconscionable. And unfortunately, it's starting to fit a pattern of, uh, of McConnell's actions uh, when it comes to Russia and Russian interference. A lot of people have opinions on it. MSNBC's Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough, said and had a big opinion on McConnell. Uh, take a quick listen. He is aiding and abetting yeah. Vladimir Putin's ongoing attempts to subvert American democracy, according to the Republican FBI, CIA, DNI, Intel Committee, Directors, all Republicans are all saying Russia is subverting American democracy and Moscow Mitch won't even let the Senate take a vote on it. Sure. That is un-American. 
Uh, and by the way, Moscow Mitch, that hashtag was trending on Twitter this morning um, after Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell blocked those two election bills designed to deter interference by Russia and other states, claiming it was partisan legislation, even after the bipartisan committee uh, shared its findings. Uh, is he Moscow Mitch? And do you agree with uh, Joe Scarborough's rant? I think he's earned the term. Um, and it's not simply for blocking the election interference uh, legislation. I mean, it is unconscionable, but it goes back deeper. You know, we, there's been two other instant, uh, instances uh, where McConnell has simply acted on Russia's behalf. And the first was actually during the election. Uh, in September and October, the Obama administration came to Congress, the, the intelligence community came to Congress in 2016 and said, we want to put out a bipartisan, we want to put out a statement, and we want bipartisan members of Congress to sign on to this statement, because we don't want it to be seen as partisan. And the statement was going to condemn Russian interference in the 2016 election. And McConnell balked. Uh, He said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that uh, because it's partisan. Uh, And so there was an opportunity for Mitch McConnell to stand up to Russian interference in 2016, as it was happening. And he he declined. He turned it down. And what that meant is sort of froze the Obama administration's response. They were worried about calling out Russia and then it being seen as partisan. The second thing that McConnell has done is that the Trump administration has basically not implemented the sanctions law that was passed by Congress uh, against Russia in 2017. There was one strong bout of sanctions that took place in April of 2018, and it actually happened on H.R. McMaster, the former former National Security Advisor's last day in office. He pushed through these strong sanctions, hitting one Russian oligarch in particular, this guy named Oleg Deripaska, and his aluminum company. And Deripaska sort of a central figure in Russian interference in the 2016 election. Well, lo and behold, behold, over the course of the year, after McMaster left, the Trump administration weakened the sanctions regime against this aluminum company, against Deripaska. The Senate was mad. Bipartisan, uh, there was bipartisan agreement that this was the wrong thing to do. There was a bill that was going to be, uh, a le- a legislation that was going to be passed in the Senate to, to block the administration from weakening the sanctions against Deripaska. And McConnell prevented that from going forward. And then, lo and behold, Rusal, this company, this aluminum company, invested uh, a lot of money into Kentucky. And so what we see with Mitch McConnell is now a pattern. We have three different instances. We have blocking election security, which would protect us from Russian interference in 2020. We have him uh, preventing the strengthening of sanctions against Russia, then actually benefiting from it uh, in terms of money going into his home state. And then in 2016, not, uh, not standing up against Russian interference. So when Joe Scarborough goes off and calls him Moscow Mitch, he's earned it. Thank you, Max. Max Bergman, thank you for being with us today, co-founder and director of the Moscow Project, an initiative of the Center for the American Progress Action Fund. Uh, The uh, website for CAP Action is AmericanProgressAction.org, and the Asset Podcast is TheAssetPodcast.org. On Twitter, follow Max at Max Bergman, M-A-X-B-E-R-G-M-A-N-N, and also follow the Asset Podcast at Asset Podcast. I'm Leslie Marshall.